My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. I don't know about you, but I am now drawn to natural products, whether it's skincare, hair products, my clothes that I'm wearing. And so I'm happy to be able to say that this month I've teamed up with Clockface Beauty luxury skincare brand. Clockface Beauty is a vegan, 100% natural and entirely waterless beauty brand, which transforms skincare that nourishes and heals your skin. And I've been using their cleansers and their makeup removers for quite a few years now, and I really love their products. And I'm so delighted to be able to say that Out of the Bubble podcast listeners will receive a 10% discount from Monday the 8th of March until Sunday the 4th of April. Just use the code BUDDLE10. And if you've never heard of them, please go check out clockfacebeauty.com. And full disclosure, I may receive a small remuneration for any of the sales made through this affiliation link. So welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble Podcast with Rachel Peru. And this week we are going to be doing some straight talking around business. I'm really looking forward to talking to Lisa Johnson. Lisa is a business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs and she's somebody that I discovered about a year ago and I really love her straight talking attitude to owning your story and really creating the business that you want to and she helps people on the way up the ladder and she herself has been on quite some journey to get to the top where she is right now you know she really struggled with confidence she was she had long-term bullying um, and you know had struggles in relationships when she was younger which had a huge impact on her confidence and I really am looking forward to finding out what this journey has looked like to get to where she is now because it just goes to show that it's never an easy ride but it is all possible. So good morning Lisa thank you so much for joining me. Oh thanks for having me. It's been um, it's been one of those things that I've been watching so many of your videos in the last few months on coaching and uh, now the tails are turned, so I'm really looking forward to talking to you this morning. <laughs> it always feels a bit weird when people have been watching me. I know. <laughs> you put all this stuff out there, don't you? And you forget that people actually watch it. <laughs> so for those of you, for those people that don't know about Lisa Johnson Coaching, how do you describe and introduce yourself? I generally these days say that I'm a passive income strategist because that's now what I do and I've dabbled with lots of other types of business coaching and consulting and that kind of thing and um, it's become more and more obvious recently that people know me for passive income and that's what I'm best at so that's what I say I also describe myself as a mum of twins um, because that's what I am a wife and someone that loves to travel brilliant and you know what I love about you is you, you know your story to get to where you are you're very honest about sharing your journey and I think people often look at particularly successful women and think that that it's been an easy road for them and actually that's not the case at all is it no. so let's go back to the beginning <laughs> when you originally started in the more corporate business world didn't you yeah and even before that like being in the corporate business world was a big thing for me because 
it took some effort to get there. I was scrabbling around when I was younger, trying to even, you know, get office junior jobs and that kind of thing, because I didn't finish school um, with really any good results because I was bullied when I was younger. And mm. so I, I just wanted out of the whole school system. And so I found it quite difficult to get jobs at the beginning. And it, it took some effort to get into the corporate world and to climb a ladder. And I eventually did a law degree when I was in my like late 20s. Um, while working full time and then carried on like climbing this ladder, got into investment banking, felt like I'd made it, if I'm honest, like mm. nobody I knew where I came from had had got to that sort of level of success before, not financially, but it wasn't bad financially, you know, it was like 60, 60, 70,000, um, but just as in not kind of having a purpose and having um, a career rather than just a job and it felt like I did have a career yeah. and then I got pregnant with twins unexpectedly and it changed everything yeah and, and obviously when that has such a big impact on you and whilst it's absolutely fantastic juggling that kind of line of work and twins is not necessarily compatible is it which just wasn't at all compatible and I was one of those women that thought that you could have kids like uh, kids weren't on my agenda but when I got pregnant with the twins there's no twins in my family by the way so when kids aren't on your agenda of course you're gonna That's get two in one go <laughs> yeah um and it to me I was a bit like oh how hard can it be you know they'll become they'll become part of my world they'll just have to fit in to my world and as, as anybody that has had kids knows that just isn't how it happens yeah. at all and it changes your whole life and um so I knew that I wasn't going to be able to carry on with the six o'clock in the morning, leaving my house and leaving work at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, kind of hours that I was enjoying. Mm. Um, I've always liked working, um, but I knew that that wasn't sustainable. So I had to make a choice of what I could do. I was going through a divorce. So I was gonna become quite quickly a single parent with twins. How old and were you at this stage, Lisa? 30s, mid 30s. Um, yeah, just over the mid-30s mark. And so I was a bit like, okay, well, I'm going to have to get a job near my house because I'm going to need to see them in the morning and in the evening at least, like even if I do get childcare. And the only jobs that I could find that weren't in the city um, were, you know, PA jobs, office-type jobs. And so that's what I did. I went back to being a PA, which is what I very first started out as. Um, nine to five, very easy, two minutes walk from my house. Um, and that's how this whole thing started because I got very bored very quickly and also got into a hell of a lot of debt because it was, you know, it's financially draining bringing up twins, <laughs> you know, yeah, with, with one, one amount of money. And um, from going from earning like 60, 70,000 to earning 20 to 25,000 um, was really hard. So within a year, I've been in this nine to five job. I got myself into £30,000 worth of debt and I was so unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. I knew that I could do more, but I didn't know how I could possibly do it and the juggle. And that's when like, I first had this little idea of, well, you know what, I'm going to start a business. And I didn't know anyone that had started businesses. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. Like entrepreneur to me, when I thought of what an entrepreneur was, I'd think of like the dot-com billionaires and, you know, yeah. all the people you see in Silicon Valley. It didn't, I didn't think it was just normal people that started businesses. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something. And so I had a look at all the things that I was sort of okay at. 
and I was good at organizing things that's why I was a PA and um, I was good at putting on events and so I thought you know what I'm gonna be a wedding planner I'm gonna always I've always had this little dream that I could do something like that something more creative than what I've been doing and so I started this wedding planning business and a year later I got 13 big weddings mm. but which is pretty good for the first yeah. year. But when we sat down and I'd got a new boyfriend by this stage and he was like, well, let's see how much I make. Maybe you'd be able to leave in nine to five, which was the plan. And I sat down and I had a look and I was making £1.15 an hour mm. and it was never going to even pay off any debt, let alone, you know, because I didn't know anything about business. I was just playing at it and hoping yeah. it would work and spending all of my weekends on it, exhausted. Um, and so that was the point that I was like, something has to change here or I just need to quit this. How did that have an effect on your kind of mental well-being and your confidence at that point? Because obviously you thought you'd got something that was going to make you uh, fulfilled and, and have that sense yeah. of purpose. And then it's, you know, we don't talk about failures. We don't talk about it. We, 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 we shy away from talking about it, but it has an impact, doesn't it? It does. And, and I'm lucky in a way that I was used to failure. And that sounds a bit weird, but I do think you can become desensitized to failure. Like a lot of things in my life had gone wrong up until this point. You know, I'd been married twice by this point and, and they'd both failed. I had, you know, I had kids unexpectedly. I kept having to rewrite my story over and over again. Um, and so I think that that can be a good thing. And I'm doing a TEDx talk next year on how you can use adversity to fuel your success and I think this is one of those times where rather than it made me go oh well I've failed so there's no point I had been used to seeing an obstacle and getting around it in some way to be able yeah. to survive and so for me it was like it's just another obstacle and I didn't see it as a, a means to completely stop but I just knew that something was going to have to change I couldn't carry on in the path I was going because it wasn't getting me anywhere yeah, I completely relate to that. And, and I've had lots of failures and I don't look at it as a bad thing anymore at all. I think it's about a mindset because I've learned so much through my failures and each each failure has been a different journey. And I yeah, think, and you have to fail, don't you, on the yeah. way? Because everybody has. You look at anyone that's successful, they've had more failures than they've had successes, but we want to get those failures out of the way to get to the successes. Like if you know you're going to get 50 no's to get a yes, let's get all those no's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did you go from kind of winding down the, the wedding business to reinventing yourself. Yeah. So I didn't wind it down. I decided that in for a penny and for a pound, I'd get a business coach and learn how to make this wedding business successful. Um, it was going to cost me another £7,000, but when you're already 30000 in debt, adding to that doesn't feel like very much. It was like, well, what's that going to do, you know? So... Um, I got this business coach and she taught me all the business basics, the foundational stuff. Um, money mindset was a massive one for me because mm. of where I come from um, growing up in, in relative poverty and it just having things like a marketing plan and a strategy and confidence and all of these kind of things to do with business that I didn't really understand. She taught me all of that in a group program kind of setting. And um, then I, changed a few things the biggest thing I changed was my ideal client I realized in that wedding business I was saying if you're getting married I'll help you which is ridiculous you have to niche somewhere so I started to only talk to my ideal client and within three months I got my first perfect ideal client with a big budget 
within three months after that, we were fully booked for a year and a half with perfect clients. And we eventually made that business within a year, the biggest urban wedding planning company in the UK. Wow. So it, it turned around and it worked. And actually it was that that was the catalyst for everything else because I thought, well, this is great. Like now I've got a business that works. I'm paying off bits of my debt. This is great. However, I was work. If you'd have asked me what I wanted my life to look like, I would have said, I want to hang out with the twins. I want to travel. I couldn't do any of those things because I was working every single weekend during the summer yeah. on all of these weddings. So um, people started asking me how I'd done it. How I'd done this. And by this time, I'd read all the books. I'd done all the webinars. I'd paid so much money in courses and coaching because I love self-development and um, it really helped me and so I found that I had a knack for kind of explaining business things in a really simple step-by-step -step way without all the jargon so I started to do that to a few of my friends who were struggling in the wedding industry they started to make a lot more money and then people came to me that weren't in the wedding industry and asked me like how I was doing things and so I started teaching them my way of doing things and they started making more money and then I was like about three and a half years ago like there's there's something to this maybe I should actually be teaching people business rather than doing the weddings yeah. and so we gave the wedding business away we were going to sell it um but we interviewed some people that wanted to buy it and it was my baby at this point you know this is something that I'd grown from nothing and yeah. people were just like well how much money will it make me and I was like do you love weddings and they were like well I don't really see what that's got to do with it and I was like oh no I really want somebody that loves weddings yeah. and so in the end we couldn't find the right person and so we gave up the money instead and decided to do a competition and find somebody that had always wanted to be a wedding planner but couldn't financially take that step that's such and a great found, idea yeah it was great and you know they love it they, they're going to always do really well in it because they're passionate about it and all they did was skip five years um so they have a ready-made portfolio seo branding mm. network and all of that kind of thing so um, she's still doing that now um, and doing really well with it and then uh, started up Lisa Jobs Coaching and from there I all the things that I had learned so far came into fruition so the first six months of that business I made a hundred thousand in profit mm. the first year 220,000 I was speaking on stages around the world I was doing some amazing things I was in all of these different you know publications psychologies and read and the garden all these things but again I kind of hit this wall after a year and realized I got myself into a situation that actually I still wasn't happy with because I now had given up my nine-to-five to work on my business from six in the morning to eleven o'clock at night and every weekend and was still not seeing my kids people were coming to me asking to pay me quite a lot of money to coach them and I couldn't do it because I only had so much time in a day I was thinking there has to be another way and so I heard somebody talking about passive income, assumed it meant multi-level marketing or that kind of thing. And so I wasn't really that interested at first, but then started to like do a little bit of digging into it and realized that actually there's this whole business model out there that is a much better way of doing things. And so I started to add, you know, I learned everything I could. I went to the best people out there, spent a lot of money very quickly on learning everything and then adding in things into my business some things worked, some things didn't, and I kept refining it over an eight-month period. And then, you know, one year I was working 60, year two, I was working 60 to 70 hours, sometimes 80 a week, 
and earning 220,000. Exactly one year later, I was working 30 hours a month and I was earning over a million. Mm -hmm. And so I'd found the perfect business model for me. And then I realized that everyone needed that business model. And that all the people that were saying to me, all my clients that were like, I'm so shattered, I'm making money, but I'm so tired. I was like, just stop doing one-to-one, let's go one-to-many. And uh, that's now what I teach. And that's how, you know, I just did a launch last month for my program, which is called One-to-Many, and um, made $2 million on, in the first Which is week. just amazing. And you know what I love about you? You are so honest about your money, and you don't often hear, particularly women, talking about the success story with money. And I think it's really important that we do have these role models to look up to, to say, just this is what Lisa's done, and this is how she's done it. Why don't it's we talk about do money? Why are we not I, comfortable? Exactly. We're so uncomfortable with it, and that's why I talk about it more. And yeah, I get a backlash for doing it, of course, because we've been told that money is vulgar. We should never discuss money. But actually, if we, as women, don't start discussing money and getting rid of the taboo, then of course we're always going to be unequal. You don't see men worrying about money and and saying, you know, I've bought this Porsche, but I better hide it, better pretend that I've not bought it, better not talk about my successes. It's a a female trait that we're worried what people think of us if we talk about money. But the more of us that start talking about it, the more that's going to disappear. One of the biggest reasons I talk about money is because it shows what's possible. When I was wanting to make a lot of money, I couldn't find any women talking about it. So I just assumed it wasn't possible mm-hmm. for people to become multimillionaires, you know, yeah. from nothing. Um, it was only when I got into masterminds where I saw other people talking about it openly that it became a very normal thing for me. And that's when I started making it because it became normal. Yeah. Like your normal is whatever you make it. I think it's really interesting how we will go to a pub with our closest girlfriends and we will talk about the sexual positions that we were in the night before, but we will never ask somebody, how much do you earn? Yeah, Yeah. that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) And how how do you deal with the backlash then? You just mentioned then that you do get a backlash because I think if you are a confident woman that puts yourself out on a stage in an arena with confidence and talks about their skill sets, there is always going to be like negativity. How do you cope with that? I didn't used to. (laughs) I wasn't very good at it at the beginning. My first year, I got bullied quite badly online. And I've been bullied a lot in life. So I was already quite wary of putting Mm -hmm. myself out there because I was scared of groups of women. Um, And that is exactly what happened. Like some other coaches who felt a bit threatened by me uh, started bullying me online. And, And one of them was like really high up in the industry in the UK. And so I went to ground. Right, I hid mm. for a month and was like, I'm not doing this. This isn't worth it. And then someone said to me, do you care more about what a stranger really on the internet thinks about you? Or do you care more about the life that you're going to be able to give your family and how many women and men you are going to be able to impact to do amazing things in their lives? And it just put it into perspective for me. Like, why do I care what these few people that would never say anything to my face? It's all Mm. keyboard warrior stuff. Why do I even care what they think? And it changed everything in two ways. It made me go, I'm going to be more visible than ever. I've been through worse than this. You know, when I was bullied as a kid, I had a knife to my throat. I've been through worse. So that meant that I could get through this and that I was going to talk about it, what I could do even more. But the second thing that it kind of made me realize is who I didn't want to be. Like I had, I had coached with one of these coaches that was awful to me online. I paid her thousands and thousands of pounds and 
it made me realize that integrity was really missing in the industry and no one was really living it they were talking it there was a lot of talk of integrity a lot of talk of honesty a lot of talk of community over competition but it wasn't really being acted upon it was just being spoken about and what they really meant is community over competition until the competition actually comes along and that's a very different yeah. thing and so I thought if that's the ripple effect that's out there at the moment what if I was to change things and to show that you could make money with integrity with real community over competition where people do exactly the same thing as you and you cheer them on and you both still make money what ripple effect will that have to the next generation and the next generation and so that gave me a real focus of what I wanted to achieve, a real why. And um, I, th I hold that as the key to my success so far. And so actually those bullies really helped me fuel my success. But it's so frustrating that they are out there. And you know, I think in all walks of life, I do not understand why other women do not want to support other women and give each other a leg up. I find it really no, frustrating. I think I'm, I'm starting to understand it more. I've done a lot of inner work on this because I was angry at people like that. And I was very defensive. Like I'd be that person that would do a defensive post on, on Facebook that never said who it was about, but it was like really angry. Um, and I, I don't do that anymore because actually when you look at why people act the way they do, it's not through maliciousness, it's through fear people were threatened by me and mm. and if someone's threatened it means they fear for their own security they fear for what they have and that's not a nice feeling to have so mm. i no longer have those feelings of anger towards those and worry for them um i pity them a bit because it, ah, what an awful feeling to be so bitter that you have to do that all the time mm. but i now understand where it comes from hurt people hurt people yeah that's so true that's a great way to look at it yeah and did you ever suffer from imposter syndrome then? Because I guess these people are suffering from that when somebody else comes along that's a competitor. Is that something? Yeah, man, yeah loads. <laughs> like I was that person that would have my phone by my bed and pick up my phone first thing in the morning and start scrolling through Instagram and like getting that feeling of comparisonitis where you're like looking at other people going, I think we started at the same time and now they're doing so much better than me. And look at their life. Why isn't my life like that? And you know, their kids seem perfect. Mine are like screaming at me over there. And it's all not real. And it's, it took me some time to realize that you're only comparing a curated feed. Mm. Like my feed looks amazing. I'm on holidays all the time. I'm yeah. not showing you when I've had an awful day and I'm lying on the sofa wanting to cry. You know, I'm only showing you the good things. Um, and that made me realize that actually you can't compare you can't ever compare anything really there were people that I used to like really look up to and compare myself to and wish I was them and then I'd meet them in real life and they would I would say oh I, you've done so well you're on all these stages your career is going so fast and they would say I look at you and I think how nice it would be to have a family a husband and a career and I had never even stopped to think that for them, they might see something different. They might yeah. want something that I have that they don't have. All I ever saw was career, the finances, the profile. That's not what it's about at all. Yeah, and I think it's a lesson in kind of really looking at other people properly and listening to them and not just judging yeah. cover from cover. Absolutely, yeah. And we do judge, don't we? Like yeah. That's one of my worst traits. I pretty much sum people up in about two minutes and I'm usually wrong. <laughs> 
So what does scare you then? What does take you out of your comfort zone? Because you seem to just take everything with a big challenge head on and just tackle stuff. So what really does put the fear into you? Quite a lot of things. My biggest fear, but also the one that drives me is death. So I have a massive fear, I have always had since I was five years old, this massive fear of death. But I also think it's why I really live. Because if you have a fear of death, you are constantly always thinking about the finite amount of time that you are here. And so you will do everything you can to experience anything you can. There is no better motivation for not being scared of doing something than no one in this room is going to be here in 50 years. You know, yeah, like, just yeah. do it. Yeah. Like, you're not going to have time to keep thinking about things over and over again. And I think that's sometimes why people who are a bit coming to business and things like that a bit later, like I did, I didn't really do anything until I was 40 um, of any note. And I think that's why we do things quicker and we become successful quicker because we know we don't have all the time in the world. We've got to, you know, stop mucking about and just get things done and so that we can experience the life that we've always wanted and I've always known I want an extraordinary life I didn't know how I could get there um, coming from where I come from but I knew I wanted it and so now because I've got the opportunity to get it and because I saw other people doing it grab it by both hands like do as much as you can see as much as you can yeah, I completely relate to that. I mean, I didn't start modeling until I was 46. And now there is this real sense of urgency. And now that I've turned 50, it's even, it's leveled up another notch because yeah, I just it think just goes up, life's so short because you've just got, you know, maybe I've got 20 years of doing this thing. You know, I might only have five. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. And this, this fear, so that, my greatest fear is not doing everything I can. My greatest fear is looking back and going, why didn't I just do that? What made me overthink that for two years and waste that time and so I'm very fast actioning things I and also I don't care if I fail so if I'm going to do some stuff it might fail lots of things do you might not see it people say to me all the time everything you put out sells out and I think loads of stuff out that doesn't you just haven't seen me quietly take it away when nobody's (laughs) bought it um you know there are are many ways I fail on a day-to-day basis um I shout about it very much but it doesn't scare me to fail because if I don't fail, I'd rather fail fast, put it that way, mm-hmm. than think about something for two years and then do it and then fail and feel like I've wasted time. Yeah, yeah, I completely get that. And do you now feel like you found your kind of tribe and your connections and your circle around you? Do you think you've got that pretty much sus now at 40 or do you think is it, is it always changing? No, I think it's always changing and always, cha- I'm always. I've always felt like an outsider and I still feel like an outsider. I think the difference is that I'm learning to realize that that's okay and that I don't have to have. I used to look at people with close-knit friends around them all the time and they'd always feel like they belonged and I've never really felt like I've belonged in a group of people and I still don't. Mm. And the only difference is that I'm now okay with being a lone wolf. I'm all right with I have like people in the business world that are friends if you like like acquaintances but would I ring any of them at three o'clock in the morning if I needed help that's what a friend is mm. to me someone that you can go to whenever and I have my family and I have my sister and I have my close friends that knew me before before all of this started and they're the people that I massively trust yeah. and that's probably why in my business my members of staff in the main are my family which is so nice 
it is so nice but also how does that work when you are juggling a successful business and it's very family orientated you know the dynamics are obviously very different yeah it kind of has always worked they are and people have always said that like how do you how do you make it work we've never had to try it's Mm. just worked um my my husband is my copywriter and he's now started up his own copywriting business because so many people saw my sales pages and they were like who's doing your sales pages and so now he works for others as well so I've lost him pretty much to his own business um but he helped me out for a long time when I first started and, and needed the support I've got my sister who's like my social media manager and PA um she lives two minutes down the road so she just pop in each day and and, you know it's it's a really nice atmosphere and now I've got an operations manager who lives as far away as you can get in England from me so we do everything online um but she's an employee rather than a freelancer and she's been in my audience for three years before Mm. she came on board so she you know we know each other inside out it's great um but it just works and how what advice would you give to people that struggle to invest in themselves because you have talked a lot about how you invested in yourself throughout the throughout your business building each one the wedding and, and the coaching because without that knowledge you couldn't have got to the next level but I think women are really bad at investing in themselves because they, they, feel, really guilt, they feel guilty that they're spending money on themselves I'm guilty of it and it's something that I am really working on now but I know it's been a barrier for me how can we get yeah. people past that mindset do you think yeah, it is hard. I think it's especially hard because we've all spent money on ourselves in some kind of self-development that hasn't worked or hasn't lived up to expectations. And so that makes us then wary of doing it again. Mm. Um, but I do think that if you don't invest in yourself, you've not got any skin in the game. You don't really care if we're honest about it. Um, there were loads of times when I couldn't afford to invest in myself, but I did because I knew that that would make it non-negotiable, that I would have to do the things that made me uncomfortable like selling and all the other things that you know going live all the things that make us uncomfortable uh, if I put skin in the game I was going to have to do it and even now like my investments now in masterminds are like 50,000 because if I paid 5,000 and they told me to do something that made me uncomfortable I can afford to lose 5,000 I can't afford to lose 50,000 so I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do I think that people that pay pay attention and I've always known that and so I have always invested in myself but I also think that women don't invest in themselves because they think it could be better spent on the kids or the husband or the house and all of these different things all of those things will be more served if you invest in you first yeah that's so true that's a good way of looking at it what's the best piece of advice you've been given along the way then Lisa so many um one of the very first pieces of advice someone said to me is that other people's opinions won't pay your bills. And that really rang true. Mm. That I was so worried about what, you know, those people that might go, who does she think she is? Like, mm. how dare she talk about money online? Or how should, dare she even do this at all or be online? Those opinions aren't going to change my life. They're going to keep mm. me stuck. So I now no longer care about other people's opinions. I don't care about being polarizing. I really don't care if people don't like me the right people will mm. and th- that piece of advice was really important to me because I think it kept me stuck a long time worrying about what other people would think yeah. about what I was doing um and now it doesn't at all um you know I'll always try to be kind and not do anything to harm people intentionally but I also will do the things that I need to do 
to forward my career. So if, you know, I have a me member of my family, for instance, that might not want me to talk about money online, that won't stop me doing it anymore. Mm. I will still do it because it's my life and my family's life and mm. that's what matters. Um, but yeah, that was a good piece of advice. Another one was just start. I was one of those people that would overthink. And yeah, overthink. everybody. I know so many people that say, oh, I can't do this yet because I haven't got this quite right yeah. and it's, it's got to be perfect. And like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get just on with it, it and learn as you go along. Yeah. yeah. And even if you think it's perfect, when you put it out there, you're going to change everything anyway. Yeah. So you may as well just get it out there how it is now and change it on the way. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. And how can people find out about you, Lisa? Where can they find you? Um, the easiest way is on Instagram at Lisa Johnson Coaching. Drop me a message there and say hello. Um, I'm always on Instagram stories, usually slightly drunk or on holiday. <laughs> I do show everything on Instagram stories. I am not one of those people that will only show you the best parts of me. You will see it all on Instagram stories. Um, and yeah, if you're thinking, am I ready for passive income? I have a little quiz, thecashcalculator.com, um, and that will tell you where you need to, to start. Brilliant. Thank you so much for talking to me today. The last question that I ask all my guests, because women are notoriously bad at accepting compliments. So if you were to pay yourself one compliment, what would it be? That I boldly go for it. Love it. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today, Lisa. And I look oh, forward to seeing what you achieve for the rest of the year. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Well, I just love Lisa's attitude to life and to business. I love the way that she is helping other women on their way up the ladder and her straight talking attitude. And she is so right. Let's start owning what we're doing and whether that, you know, that means sharing our successes and sharing our incomes and sharing how positive we feel about that. And surely that's liberating and that's got to be a benchmark for other women to be able to maintain that because we can all achieve and fulfill so much more than we believe we can. And Lisa is definitely a testament to that. So I really enjoyed talking to Lisa and I hope you have gained lots of motivation from this episode. Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you found lots of inspiration and it's left you with some midlife food for thought. How would you compliment yourself? I'd love to hear from you so I can share some love for all you women over 40. Please get in touch. Email me, rachel at outofthebubblepodcast.com. You can also come and join the Facebook page at Step Out of the Bubble. I'll be back next Monday, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.